I almost call this episode Why Management Matters, like a 1980s seminar on having a good boss. Thought about it, workshopped it, thought about it again, and then scrapped it. But I think this topic to me is so important. And I think when you care, you really care. And when you don't, you don't. But the reality is, whether or not you care, your management has a huge impact on your club. And you can pretend like they don't and they don't exist, like pretend global warming doesn't exist. I have no idea why this crazy weather is happening. But the weather events are occurring, everyone, and your manager is wreaking havoc as well. We've got to talk about it. We've got to get into it. You need somebody to be able to blame and get angry at. It can't be your favorite player. I mean, you have to wear that shirt every freaking week. What else are you supposed to do when you go to the pub? Let's get into it. Let's talk about it and figure out why management matters or from trash to treasure, the management experience. All right. Join me, Yanks. Welcome to the Pitch Proper Yank, the show where we Americans talk about soccer. Yeah, I said soccer, footy, football, whatever you want to call it. Specifically on this show, we talk about English Premier League, Major League Soccer, and everything in between. I'm your host, Alana Gaffney. Let's get into it. If you are new, welcome. We want to give you a little bit of information about this podcast. So I am an American woman who currently watches and follows English Premier League. Specifically, I'm a West Ham United fan. I am learning about Major League Soccer, and I want to talk about it with my friends. I want to talk about it and learn about it with you. So we're going to do this together. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the role of the manager in English Premier League and the role of the coach within Major League Soccer. Uh, You might have noticed the fun little catchy title, From Trash to Treasure. Honestly, that's how these people are viewed. They're poor souls. Oh, my lanta. So really, the episode is going to highlight what the role of the manager coaches for EPL teams and for MLS teams. Once we talk about what a manager does, who the key managers are, we're going to talk about managerial changes in EPL and learn more about how often coaches change over in Major League Soccer, as well as the scoop over there. So let's get into that. Jumping in to start. So what is a manager? What is a coach in soccer? It's not necessarily quite the same thing. So it's important that we distinguish between the two. A manager is really the person who has the overall responsibility for the running of a football or soccer team. So some of those key responsibilities can be planning the strategy and tactics, choosing the players for the matches, selecting the formation, instructing the players on the pitch, motivating players, as well as delegating duties to other staff. Ultimately, you're maintaining the life of the club, which is perhaps why the interim coaches are often called caretakers. There is a difference between a head coach and a manager in soccer. A head coach has less authority and less responsibility as a manager, and they might be doing some more instructive elements and showing to show how to actually complete things. A manager changes is something else that we're going to be talking about. So this is a really pivotal position, and there's quite a lot of pressure that mounts on the person to get it right. That said, there could be quite a few managerial changes, at least in English Premier League. Let's do a bit of a distinguishing between English Premier League and and Major League Soccer because, again, there is certainly a difference between having a manager and having a coach. So within English Premier League, manager changes are quite common. There's extreme emotion around the manager position. So I'm going to give some examples of either protests or fanfare because that's typically how it works. 
So to give a spotlight that provides an example, that is kind of the classic example from English Premier League is Sir Alex Ferguson. So if you're not familiar, he is an icon of Manchester United. He served as their manager and he is uh, he ended up becoming knighted. He is very highly decorated. A ton of people have worked with him. He's he's very much a staple of English Premier League and that club. And frankly, it's really interesting how his his name, his presence, you'll see him at games. He was just at a game last weekend. His presence looms over the club. This is a monster of a franchise, and they've been trying to find an adequate replacement since him. And they've gone through a lot of big names. So David Moyes, who's actually the current manager of West Ham United, was at Manchester United. That franchise chewed him up and spit him out. And he's doing well, and he has shown that he can do well in other clubs. It is just a very, I would argue, like a really challenging environment. They went through a ton of other people. I'm trying to think of who they had. They had the Red Bull guy. And I'm, oh my God, his name, Ralph Rolsberg. I'm going to forget his name. It's not a huge deal until they got to Ten Hog. And I have to say, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about how Ten Hog is going to continue to fare. I think overall, he understands how to work with really high quality players who have big egos and has been able to draw together a team that has a an individual and unified strategy, which is huge. So all of that to say, I'm spotlighting really Sir Alex Ferguson, but we can also talk about all sorts of protests as well. If the team is not doing well, the manager is blamed. If the manager is blamed, there are protests. The protests can be aimed at multiple parties. So it's not necessarily just going to be at a manager. Honestly, most of the time it's geared towards the ownership. The ownership direct the funds and, and they can fire the manager. Ultimately, they have the power. Like there are managers who have been absolutely positively hated for what they've been able to do. I think a really good example from 2022 to 2023. So this was the last year was Chelsea. Graham Potter. So Graham Potter was beloved at Brighton and Hove. He was plucked to go and run Chelsea. And in in doing that, another behemoth franchise. So something where you don't you don't mold Chelsea to be what you want it to be. You mold yourself to fit in and help Chelsea be successful. That is the best way that I'm going to put it. Ultimately, that was another instance where he was chewed up, spit out. People were so upset by uh, like overall Chelsea's performance while he was manager. I have had some very interesting conversations with Arsenal fans also regarding Mikel Arteta. I don't know how warranted they are when you consider how well generally Arsenal has done in the past few years. They have steadily improved through the years. Last year, they remained at the top of the table over 250 days is what I'm recalling. They stayed on the top of the table for most of the time. And, and you will still hear Arsenal fans be highly critical. So all this to say, I'm trying to really, truly paint a picture here of how this role is viewed by, by fans, especially. And I'm speaking from a fan's perspective and I can get it. Like ultimately the manager position is, it's just different than when you're considering a coach position somewhere else. They are really running the entire operation, really managing the staff helping to manage the funds. They're choosing targets as well. Like I can't even express enough where they just have this critical role. So if they end up, if they suck, like you're going to see it in the club. In terms of the managers that you should really know for English Premier League, although it might annoy some folks, I will say for Manchester City, 
You've got to know the name Pep Guardiola. If nothing else, you would have seen him in Ted Lasso. You would have seen the reference. He's really well-known. He's well-known for being, he can be somewhat sassy in terms of interviews. I think beyond that, Manchester City's record speaks for itself. Another manager that's really good to know is Jurgen Klopp. So if you're talking about Liverpool, it's another person who's very... I love to watch his interviews because I think that he's pretty flip as well. He has an intensity about him generally. And the strategy that his team implores is very much like they have firing power. They have attacking power. They're stressful to play. And a lot of that you can tell comes from the strategy. Another manager that's particularly great to watch this season for English Premier League is Eddie Howe. So Eddie Howe has really taken Newcastle and turned them into this top four team. With that said, it's being tested right now. And we're kind of seeing when you become a top dog, you're going to get a target on you. I read an interview from him recently where he was noting he never had it in him to necessarily be friendly with the competition. Even when he was a player, he didn't necessarily engage in like a friendly manner with other players. He doesn't do that with other managers now. So while he has a lot of respect for other managers who are there, I don't remember what the specific question that was asked of him, but the point being like he can say some nice things about it, but he's in game mode. Another manager that's really important and has helped revolutionize the team, so you would say a little further along than maybe an Eddie Howe, would be Mikel Arteta for um, Arsenal. He very much has an intensity about him. There are no friendly matches. I think that he is he has put together a spirit for his team and a unified strategy that has been really fun to watch. With that said, they've had a bit of a slow start to the season. It will be interesting to see how they progress. Ten Hag is one that I am I'm watching, and I hope he makes it another year at least. He is handling a really, really, really intense fan base and a really big franchise. Overall, though, he's finding he's finding this new strategy and this new way for players to operate. I'll say a few more. So Deserby from, uh, if we're talking about Brighton and Hove, his team f- also fights with a spirit. They're high scoring team. They play very well together. They're exciting to watch. Aside from their loss against West Ham, like they have been doing, they've been playing really well. I think that the manager of the other team, so we're talking about West Ham, and again, we're going to talk about one of my favorite guys, so that's David Moyes. He employs a strategy that is really low possession, and it's really this counterattack strategy. You can have the ball the entire game. We're still going to beat you. I loved reading the things about how it was a masterclass and that type of strategy. It can be defended against. I think right now it was very great for him to see use that against a different manager and have it be so effective. Another manager that's really been established and has been there is Emery for Aston Villa. Villa's been playing pretty well. It's good to see that team have more confidence and to like just be scoring more generally. I want to mention Steve Cooper, and I don't want to mention Steve Cooper for any other reason than he looks like a henchman in 101 Dalmatians. And he reminds me of that quintessential British man you're going to see in a pub who likes to talk football. I will say Nottingham Forest had a really great game against Manchester United. I think trying to score so early and being up so early against Manchester United surely rattled the other side. So to see that and then to see how they ended up playing when they were a man down was also very, very impressive. Those are just some of my initial notes. 
I won't go through every single team. Honestly, I'm not as familiar with all of them. I will say I am excited to learn a bit more about Fulham. Generally, it's a team that I praise, but I haven't necessarily looked as much into their management. So let's transfer a little bit over to Major League Soccer. They have a head coach and other positions that help to run the operations of the team. It's not truly a one-for-one swap, but it is really the equivalent for Major League Soccer. It's called a coach. It's not called a manager. Head coach changes definitely happen also, but really not at the same frequency as Major League Soccer. And I'll do the full comparison so you can see for at least the 2022 to 2023 year for English Premier League and the 2023 year for Major League Soccer. So we'll start with English Premier League. So these are the stats that are going to run from the beginning of English Premier League 2022. So that would have been in August through mid-April. So this is a really most active part of the season. I found it helpful to have it be that snapshot. Seven out of the top 10 teams did not make a management change. The top four teams did not have a manager change in the active season. The ones who ended up qualifying for a Champions League. If you look at the bottom, eight of the bottom 10 had sacked a manager and two of those clubs had sacked more than one. Five out of the bottom six had sacked their starting manager. There were a record number of 13 managers who had been sacked between 11 of the clubs by mid-April. That was up three from the all-time year's high of 10. So going into 2023 to 2024, 16 of the clubs, and that's out of the 17 who came from 2022 to 2023, plus the three who are promoted. Those are the clubs that I considered. 16 of those clubs had the same manager at the final match for 2022 to 2023, and four are starting with a new manager. The four clubs that are starting with a new manager that was hired over the summer are Chelsea, Tottenham, Wolverhampton, and Bournemouth. Just to start, we'll see what happens. Next, let's talk about Major League Soccer and and the changes that have been made for 2023. There have been five coach updates this season. These aren't in a particular order, by the way. So the Portland Timbers fire Giovanni Severse, and the interim coach is now uh, head coach is Miles Joseph. They are currently number 12 in the Western Conference out of 14. I want to provide a little context for how each of them are doing as they're making these decisions. Inter-Miami fired Phil Neville, and they now have Tata Martino, who started on June 28th. So Inter-Miami was at the bottom of the table. Tata Martino did bring that team all the way through the League's Cup, and they ended up having a victory there, which bodes well for him. We will see how Inter-Miami continues throughout the regular MLS season. Toronto FC ended up firing Bob Bradley on June 26th. The interim is Terry Dunfield's. They're at the bottom of the table for the Eastern Conference, so not necessarily doing well. Chicago Fire FC fired Ezra Hendrickson on May 8th. They have a new coach named Frank Klobas. They're still struggling. They're in the lower half of the table. They were just beaten by LA Galaxy. And finally, the New York Red Bulls fired Gerhard Struber on May 8th. They have a new manager, so that's Troy Lissesne. They're still struggling. They're in the lower half of the table, and they were just beaten by Inter-Miami. Do you want to follow this with me? I hope so. I want to implement a little bit of a manager change watch at this point. For English Premier League especially, but we'll talk about Major League Soccer as well. Keep in mind, as they say on Love Island, it is still early days. 
That said, the first manager was sacked in the 2022-23 to season pretty early. So that was Scott Parker for Bournemouth on August 30th, 2022, when Bournemouth lost to Liverpool 9-0, which is absolutely humiliating and devastating. We haven't seen scores like that, though. I do think it, it will be a little bit longer before we start seeing anything. I want to start by saying that managers are sacked far too freely in English Premier League. And for the most part, it does not appear to be a great strategy. I did do this like last year. I ended up tracking to see how they were doing. It fully depends on the timing regarding whether a new manager can get the squad on board. Because you have to keep in mind, they're probably implementing a brand new strategy. They're like learning these players. These players are learning this coach. They're learning the systems that are around them as well. It truly is a bit of a risk to do that midseason. The teams that likely won't have updates, being that they have established management and for the most part, they've seen positive results, are Manchester City, Newcastle, Brighton and Hove, and Liverpool. There are some high-profile franchises that are always looking, so that's especially when the pressure is mounted. They have really high resources, so it makes sense that they might they might be more apt to change their management. Those teams include Manchester United, Chelsea, and Tottenham. Tottenham actually has surprisingly high funds. I wouldn't always and always expected that. You see Chelsea go on spending sprees and Manchester United. I mean, obviously they're a huge franchise too. Beyond that, Everton's had a pretty abysmal start to the season, and it's likely that the owners are looking at good old Sean to turn it around or pack up. Bournemouth and the Wolves just got new managers into the season, but they're not necessarily having a great go either. So I think there'll be a little bit of grace that's dispensed for those teams. I would not anticipate it's going to last that long. It truly depends on uh, what the results are. I would also note that it is unlikely that the newly promoted teams would make early adjustments. They're all working still with the managers that got them into English Premier League. I did look into that. I doubt just because they did get them to that step that they're going to be likely to change over. I think that they're probably going to give them at least a couple, I would I would estimate at least a couple of months. If we're talking about major league soccer and a coach change watch, remember, there is less overall coaching changes than English Premier League. So there are some teams that might be looking to make a change mid-season, though again, I, I truly don't know how effective these results are going to be at changing, especially this late in major league soccer. I would say the top candidate for this is Colorado. They're at the bottom of the table. They haven't had a change so far. I would be surprised if it wasn't being thought about or considered at this point. New York City is low on the table and just had a loss against Cincinnati. With that said, Cincinnati's having a really great season. LA Galaxy is just above Colorado on the table, but they did just have a win against Chicago uh, Fire FC. So uh, truly, we will see in terms of how they move forward. Teams that could make a change, I think it is far more likely, especially for Major League Soccer, that we'll see teams that just make a change for next season. Charlotte just had a win over a worthy opponent. Perhaps ownership will look after the season. Portland likely won't change coaches again, but they just had a pretty gnarly loss against Houston. It was 5-0. And then Austin, I think the thing with Austin is this franchise has a really loyal fan base. They've had a couple of years that have been a bit off. It might be time to look at their coach as well. We can't go an episode without talking about soccer. So remember, we're always watching. I had a ball watching the games from this weekend, especially English Premier League. So the red cards keep on coming for EPL. 
They're certainly less than last weekend, though. So you you can kind of guess that that it's got to be managers saying to players, keep in mind their call in reds and also players probably being more cautious. In terms of Arsenal, not good. Like that's not what we expected to see from them. I will say Fulham is just overly disregarded. They're middle of the table, middle of the pack team. And they're strong. Like they're, they play extraordinarily well against the top tier teams regularly. And, and yet folks are still surprised when they play well. Okay. West Ham, West Ham won at Brighton and Hove. It was three, one. They had less than 20% possession and attempted 537 passes fewer than their hosts. I can't get over those numbers. I think that's wild. I saw a really funny tweet that I want to make sure that I give credit to Duncan Alexander. He ended up saying, this is a pure, unadulterated, full-strength Moyes, and it's beautiful. Uh, This is like the reason that I wanted to do this episode. I love the manager of my club. I love David Moyes. David Moyes was one of those managers that everyone was expecting to be fired in the spring. And then they were like, if he makes it through the spring, he's going to get fired in the summer. Well, that's not what happened, is it? So he ended up helping to get a conference league victory. And then on top of that, I mean, we're three games in. So I'm going to be pumped the brakes a little bit, but I will say they're playing really well this season. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I looked at Premier League on Instagram, ends up putting the team of the week and it, it takes the best players from each of the squads and puts them in positions. And I haven't seen... Mikel Antonio on that little formation ever. And to see him on there and to see that he played so well, I mean, I was ecstatic. Again, I'm a huge fan and I'm very excited to see generally that he's playing well. I did also watch the Nottingham Forest versus Manchester United game. I think there were a couple of like really salient quotes that were from the commentators. So one of them was that Nottingham Forest gave it a right good go, seemingly played better when they were a man down as well. I found that really interesting. In the final minutes, the announcer said regarding potentially Nottingham Forest scoring to tie because it ended up being 3-2 with Manchester United winning. They couldn't, could they? It's been that kind of game, hasn't it? Bruno Fernandes doesn't always shine through. I think he really, he stepped up as a captain. I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said this weekend. I think there are a lot of folks who who commented on that and noted he's like the most annoying when a foul happens to throw his hands up in the air and be really flipped, like to just sit there and complain and look like a petulant child. And that was not the situation. I think he really helped score goals and get his club a victory. So good for Bruno. I was happy to see it. Then on Sunday, I watched the Aston Villa versus Burnley match. I assume that would be more entertaining than a Sheffield United versus Man City. For the most part, I think I was right. City should really plan on upping their goal differential, though. I think, again, I I think I said this in maybe the last episode. We're feeling the effects of KDB being out. We're seeing not as much service. Holland did score, so I don't want to take away from that. But I think at the same point, they are used to having this really great playmaker who is providing this great service to these people who can score these incredible goals. And ultimately, they don't have him right now. And it shows. But I will say the crown jewel of a game for EPL this weekend was Newcastle versus Liverpool. I've been so excited to watch just generally the Newcastle games. I was excited to watch Newcastle versus City. I was excited to watch Newcastle versus Liverpool. So this did not end how I expected at all. I was like, Newcastle's going to be on this tear. Last weekend, I was not confident that Newcastle was going to beat City. They didn't. This weekend, I was like, Newcastle will beat Liverpool, though. Liverpool 
they're back on their BS. And I mean that in a good thing, but I will say they're still having issues. Like they're not, everything isn't totally worked out. It was definitely different. So Newcastle have been tested this season after success, largely as a surprise from last season and teams are preparing against them. So they need to be ready for this. So this is where you want to play like a big dog. You got to act like a big dog situation. I will say Newcastle had a ton of opportunities Liverpool did not stop going for goals, though. So they are not one of those teams that when they get a red card, which they did, so their captain, Virgil van Dijk, ended up getting a red card and was out very early in the game. They are going to continue to try and score. They are not just going to hang back. The commentators noted this is classic Klopp. Like, this is his, this is Jurgen Klopp's, like, game plan. He has an attacking strategy. Liverpool bested Newcastle. 2-1 with a late equalizer by uh, Nunez. So Darwin Nunez in the 80th minute. Nunez ended up getting that second goal also. I know everyone was commending the bejesus out of Darwin Nunez, and as they should. He did two clinical goals and they were needed and they were fun to watch. But with that, you have to give props to Allison as well. So the keep. Those would be the two MVPs of the game. So Nunez really capitalized on the two mistakes by defensive players as well. So overall, for English Premier League, it was definitely fun to watch. In terms of Major League Soccer, I made a mistake. I really thought if I watched the Nashville game, I was going to enjoy it. I was like, okay, I really enjoyed watching Nashville and Leagues Cup. This is going to be interesting. I'm excited. So I was excited to watch the Nashville versus Atlanta game. I regret it. Nashville got smashed by Atlanta. I didn't know it was going to happen. The commenters remarked that Nashville had the best defense in MLS. I just don't think you'd know it by the four goals that Atlanta scored in that match. I got so bored and I was frustrated because I'd seen players that I really, really liked um, from watching that initial game. And I was like, this is, you're just seeing careless mistakes. Like it was careless mistake after careless mistake. I will note there's some other notable items from the weekend. So Messi did not start. So there were so many news stories about this. They really couldn't talk about anything else. There were so many news stories about how expensive it was for the, the inner Miami fans to come watch in New York. And the fact that he's not starting is insulting. And like Tata Martino ended up having to make some statements that even with pressure from the fans, no, it's not risk. He needs to rest uh, like this. He's a human. He needs to rest. And with all that said, he came on as a substitute and he still scored. So seemingly they hopefully got their fill. Otherwise, results that were seemingly expected. So Philadelphia smashed DC United, which was kind of interesting to watch. A couple of other results that were pretty interesting were the Vancouver Whitecaps victory over the Portland Timbers, so 3-2. So not because the Timbers have been playing particularly well, they're at the bottom of the table. It is great to see both sides putting in like a valiant effort. A lot of the other scores and things that I was noticing. So the LA Galaxy bested Chicago Fire was 3-0. Houston Dynamo FC versus Real Salt Lake. The final score was 3-0. Houston Sporting KC bested San Jose Earthquakes 3-0. So a lot of it was pretty close. They're high scoring on one side. So to be able to see something that seemed a little bit more competitive, that's what I look for. All right. I hope you like the topic this week as much as I did. I hope you are looking at your manager to watch. Uh, so you have someone to blame or someone to rejoice with. Who knows? Let me know what you might be interested for the next week. I'm excited to keep going on this journey with you. If you haven't already, please, 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 go ahead and give us a rating however you get your podcast. We'd love to see it. Until next time, Yanks. like this.